You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-Sports.com. Today on the show, we're going to really kind of dive into Arkansas's offense and defense. We had a good talk with uh, both coordinators for Arkansas, so we'll talk a lot about that. We'll talk about this hoops class. Hopefully everybody ends up signing today right now. There's still one left in K.K. Robinson, so we'll talk about all that. Danny West is going to jump on with us to talk to the latest in recruiting. All that and more on Hog Sports Live. Obviously, I've got to mention the mustache. You know, I find when I grow a beard, the longer the beard gets, the crazier my thoughts become. With the mustache, it's kind of like authority. I feel like... Son, do you know how fast you were driving? I feel like I've got a little bit more authority face. Maybe like you're in trouble a little bit. Quarantine stash. I grew the search stash. Worked well for us. So now we're going with the quarantine stash. (laughs) Got to mix it up a little bit. You know, I always have, for some reason, like the way the light hits me right here, it looks like on camera, it looks like I have this long, line going down the side of my face I don't know what it I guess because the hair is darker there than than right here maybe a little more gray I can't figure out how to fix that anyway so let's jump into it the latest signees Moses Moody obviously out of Montverde Academy originally from North Little Rock 6'5 185 and we're waiting on K.K. Robinson today and that'll be everybody they've got Jalen Williams Devontae Davis Vance Jackson Jalen Tate K.K. Moses. K.K.'s deciding today, as I mentioned. Um, Nice-looking class. Part of a what's going to be a nine nine new faces, if you include the three sit ones from last year, the four high school kids and the two grad transfers. We've got a lot on that on hogsports.com. You can read up on that. And I want to remind everybody before we get going too much that there is plenty of ways to watch and listen. You can always, of course, watch us streaming live on Facebook Live. Be sure to throw us a thumbs up there if you haven't done so already. Also available on YouTube. Be sure to hit the notifications bell after you hit subscribe. And also on Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review if you haven't done so already. We want our channel to be bumped up anytime people search for Arkansas Razorbacks and plenty of other ways to watch and listen, of course. Well, plenty of ways to listen, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, hogsports.com is $1 for your first month if you want to try us out. Just $1 for your first month. All right. So Moses Moody's inked, waiting on K.K. Robinson. Nice-looking class, number six-ranked recruiting class in the country, just considering, you know, high school and junior college players. That include Vance Jackson or Jalen Tate, who are really nice additions. So far, there's nothing on Isaiah Joe testing NBA waters. He hasn't – I mean, aside from Musselman saying he expects it, Joe hasn't come out and said, I'm going to test the NBA waters. So right now, we're just kind of waiting. I think everybody expects him to fully do so uh, as far as – Mason Jones, there was some talk that he could make some kind of formal announcement on whether he's going to return or not at Arkansas. He's already announced that he's testing NBA waters, hasn't signed with an agent, so that still leaves a window open for him to return to Arkansas. It's unlikely, though. It looks like Mason's going to go. And with, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on the show Thursday, but with Mason, he's not going to come back and average 22 points. I don't, I mean, I think that's unlikely. When you consider everybody that's coming in, more help, all those types of things. 
So he's not going to come in and just average all those points and lead the team in assist, rebounds too, I believe. So it might be his best interest to go, but with Isaiah, there's plenty of things that he could improve on still and be a bigger piece of the puzzle, be a more a larger focal point for the team and really you know improve his stock. Right now you see him around 60th on, uh, on draft boards. So Arkansas is going to be a lot bigger next year, obviously. They still want to play with pace, pace and space. They still want to play with pace, but, I mean, you could literally see them going, you know, 7-3, I mean, they could be they could be a really, really big team next year. I mean, 6-6, six, six, you go with Jalen Tate at the point. 6-5, you go with Moses Moody or Isaiah Joe. 6-9, Vance Jackson. 6-8. Who could go? I mean, you could go with the several people at the six eight range. You go with Reggie Cheney, uh, Abiyami Eola, Jalen Williams is six nine, and then seven three down low. I mean, you could be really big. It'll be interesting to see how many players they play because last year it was pretty much seven guys. I mean, they're going to have a full thirteen, and depending on what Isaiah Joe does, they may or may not be done with recruiting right now. So. Looking ahead all the way to 2022, it's another really solid in-state hoops class. They've offered one in 2021. And in 2022, Joseph Pinion, who I think was just offered by Ole Miss also. He already had a Kansas offer. But he's out of Moralton, 6'6", 180. Nick Smith out of Sylvan Hills, 6'4", 170. Darian Ford out of Magnolia, 6'4", 194. Little Rock Mills. Guard, Javion Guy King, 6'6", 190. And North Little Rock, big man, Khalil Ware, 6'10", 198. Great-looking class. Just like the 2020 class. 2020 class is great inside the state. All right. So we've got some things to talk about as far as this offense and defense. As I said, we spent about, I think it was like 65 minutes on the phone with Kendall Browse and Barry Odom just kind of talking about everything from what they look for in the quarterback recruiting to what kind of offense, what name this offense is going to be. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, I was kind of asking Kendall, like, what do you call this offense? Because we've heard it called um, – the veer and shoot we've heard it call the spread iso and you know some of that stuff makes sense you know from the background you know with art browse um you know in the veer and then with the uh with the uh, spread iso i mean you're gonna he's, he's trying to spread it out so much that you just can you know you get these one-on-one matchups wide receivers a lot of single choice routes where you, you know you just know where you're going with the ball because you've got one-on-one because you spread them out so far so I asked him, you know, what are you going to call this offense? And he says, hopefully productive. So this is the product. I, you know, a good name for it that's already taken is the pace and space offense. But it's already taken by Eric Musselman. Maybe it could just be an Arkansas thing because it's about, I mean, they're going to go really fast and they're really going to spread it out, pace and space. Makes a lot of sense to, to call it that. But there are some other ones, you know, we're familiar with Bobby Petrino, the power spread offense, which combines elements of the power run game, more pro-style stuff, along with spread elements, um, hence the name power spread. Bill Walsh had the 
West Coast offense, how Mummy and Michael each came up with the air raid. Steve Spurrier had the fun and gun. Chad Morris had the 30% install offense. It's a joke. What did he call his? The two-back, run-oriented, play-action shot offense. <laughs> uh, that didn't work. You know, um, Vance Wahlberg has the dribble drive that John Calipari has made so popular. Phil Jackson had the triangle offense. I know y'all watched the uh, the Last Dance. I watched both episodes last night. Fantastic, fantastic start. And if offense uh, defense is the best offense, then Nolan Richardson has forty minutes of hell. But he wants to call it productive. We've got a lot of stories like that on Hog Sports, but now I want to move into Danny West before we go into more on you know what we can expect out of this defense and offense. Uh, we're going to get to Danny and, and let him share a few things. What's going on with recruiting and, and anything else? For those who aren't familiar with Danny, he is our recruiting writer, our main recruiting writer at hogsports.com. He's been with us for over a decade and does just a tremendous job. Let's see what he has to say. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Trey Biddy. Danny West, how's it going, brother? It's good. Just arguing with people about the uh, LeBron-MJ debate on the board. <laughs> people are, I mean, we can talk about this a little bit because of the last dance, but what's your stance on it, Danny? I mean, you're a little bit, what are you, 33? 34. 34. 34. Yeah, I'm a, so I'm, I'm a LeBron guy, but I, I'm a LeBron fan by default mm -hmm. because I, I know how to push all the right buttons and get people worked up. I've got a neighbor that won't speak to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably, it's probably just because he thinks you're an idiot. Probably, probably nothing personal, just like that guy's so stupid he thinks just LeBron. A, just a lot of facts being <laughs> dropped on here. No, what? I like the show, man. I'm a yeah. – I'm a MJ fan. Make no mistake about it. I'm not one of these guys that has to choose one and, and hate the other. Right. I, mean, I respect him. I think he's amazing. I can't wait for next Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to episodes three and four myself. And I, I think, and I think I can't remember who said it in the documentary, but what I hope that it shows younger people who never had a chance to really watch and experience Jordan and you know watch highlight clips and stuff like that. 
uh, is just the sense, the vibe of dominance that was just kind of felt throughout the league that everybody knew. There was nobody ever saying, well, you know, you know, it might be it might be this other guy who's the best player. Yeah, there in the was NBA. no debate back then. There was, there was no debate. Yeah. And, you know, as a sports fan, I'm glad we have the debate to even talk about. Now, mm-hmm. I know you and where you stand on it, and most people will choose MJ, right? Well, a, for people like me, it's, it's out there now. For people like me, it's not a debate. I don't know right. what the numbers are that you're you're pointing to that would indicate that LeBron is better than Jordan when you consider uh, the scoring, the, the difference in the NBA right now, and a lot of experts would tell you that Jordan would average 10 points higher than his highest scoring season right now because there's no hand-checking. I mean, the difference in playing with hand-checking versus not is dramatic. I mean, you can just dribble, do whatever you want. Can you imagine the people – There's a little bit people, better athletes in today's game? No, there's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> How are there better athletes? I could point. Yeah. I could point you Nutrition's to a very better, workouts are better. Everything's better nowadays. But no, I could. I could point you, Danny, to. I could point you to a great TED talk uh, that basically breaks down um, that notion that the athletes are so much better now. And you know, you can point to things like nutrition's better. Well, I think. I mean, I think a lot of scientists will tell you right now that we know the more we find out about nutrition, the less we think we know about it. You know, um, you, athletes aren't getting bigger necessarily. There's a lot of, a lot of, uh, LeBron's a lot bigger too. He's like, he's like seven, six, 390 oh, pounds yeah. by now. Yeah, that's right. Marcus he keeps, he keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> Marcus said that one time he said, LeBron James is six, nine, two eighty five or something. I said, Michael Jordan, six, seven, two fifty. You know, yep. I mean, it's, it's just like, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, anyway, there for me, just the uh, just growing up in it. I mean, I, I grew up with Jordan. You know, elementary school, junior high, college, high school. I mean, it, I, I guess it was throughout my youth. So that plays an impact on. And there are people who tell me like, well, you it's a can't psychological impact. Well, people, on t- people, people on that poster, and they're proud of. It. People tell me that like I can't get away from it because. Um, that I, I say that because that's what I grew up with, but I can fully recognize, and I was, you know, a bandwagon 49ers fan because of Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and those guys, and Joe Montana was the greatest quarterback that ever lived. But I can fully accept and appreciate that Tom Brady has overtaken him. So people who act like I'm, you know, some guy who can't get out of the past, how come I can fully accept that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback at all time, of all times? And I was also a huge Elway fan, who Elway's not in that conversation, but – um, Joe Montana is, is, but yeah, that's the conversation I use a lot. You know, when they talk about titles, mm-hmm. MJ obviously has more titles, twice mm-hmm. as many at this point. I mean, is Terry Bradshaw better than John Elway? You know what I mean? Because he had four. Right. Dan Marino never won one. Is is Terry Bradshaw better than Dan Marino? Yes. I never really liked <laughs> Dan Marino. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. But Brett Favre, John Elway, Peyton Manning. He's better than those three. Um, Terry Bradshaw now. Well, it's a different. That's a different era, a dramatically different era. You know, basketball has changed, but it hasn't changed that much in in the last thirty years. Man, I don't know. I mean, thirty years ago, they barely had a three point line, right? They they had it though. It was there. I mean, it's changed a lot. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more three-point shooting. The consensus back then was you need to be really, really tall down low. Now everybody wants to shoot threes. But, yeah, um, yeah. 
anyway, Danny, I don't know if everybody wanted to hear us recap the, yeah, la- no, the last dance. That. I did enjoy uh, Van Pelt breaking it down. I mean, his whole show was breaking down a documentary. I mean, that's just a sign of the times that we're in right now. Um, so recruiting, Danny, what is going on? What is what is the latest, if you can just kind of give us an overarching idea? Okay, let's start with basketball. We're waiting, uh, waiting on K.K. Robinson today, right? He's mm-hmm. going to be the last guy to sign. So at some point today, we're expecting him to send in that paperwork. Of course, you probably already mentioned we're going to hear from Coach Muss. Yep. Oh, I didn't mention that, but yeah, at 4 o'clock we'll at talk 4 to him. 4 o'clock today. So he'll be able to talk at length about Moses and K.K., the latest signees. Mm-hmm. So still waiting on K.K. as far as uh, football recruiting. Still list trimming season around here. Uh, You got running back Logan Diggs out of Rummel High School. You think about Rummel, they were really good uh, to Arkansas under Brett Bielema. He sent Andre Tolliver, Dwayne Eugene, uh, Briston Guidry. Who else? Derek Munson for a minute there. So uh, Logan Diggs is out of Rummel. He's got a top 10. Uh, I think Arkansas is in it. You know, I think they've got a legit shot, but it's still too early. Wide receiver Amari Huggins, a kid out of South Carolina, trimmed it to 15 schools, Trey Biddy. Nice. Got a top 15. <laughs> really so being exclusive, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I didn't exactly write a thorough uh, story about the top 15. Did, he, did he also include that he's still open to other options? Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Cut my line. list to 15, but I'm still open I'm to still others. Open. Yeah, so Alabama hit me up, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wide receiver J.J. Jones, coincidentally another wide receiver out of South Carolina. He's got Arkansas in his top ten. Look for J.J. Jones to stay somewhere in that part of the country, to be honest with you, probably at home mm-hmm. with the Gamecocks. And then safety Kendall Daniels. Now, he's a four-star out of safety out of uh, Beggs, Oklahoma. You ever been to Beggs? I believe so. Yeah, I don't believe I have, but that's where he's from. And Maybe I'm just familiar Arkansas with it. Yeah, he's got Arkansas in his top group. I think the uh, Sooners, uh, just to try to shoot you straight here, he's got a couple of crystal ball picks already for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Oklahoma State's obviously uh, done a really good job with him too. So going to be tough to get him out of bags, Oklahoma. But Kendall De- uh, Daniels uh, trimmed his list, and Arkansas still alive there. But outside of that, a lot of new offers in this past week. I'm sitting here looking at – uh, well over a dozen that have been trying to get updated and into our system, but uh, that's pretty much where it's at in terms of recruiting. A little bit slower right now. Obviously, you talked last week about Landon Rogers, mm-hmm. the uh, new quarterback commitment. I've got a story this morning on uh, Lucas Coley, yeah. kid out of San Antonio, another quarterback that they offered last week. Uh, the previous staff actually was recruiting Lucas six one two zero three. And uh, he told me that he and Kendall Browse have been talking a lot over the last couple of months here. And Kendall finally pulled the trigger on him last week. So going to be taking two quarterbacks. This one might be one to keep an eye on, Trey. Lucas Coley mm-hmm. out of Cornerstone Christian down in San Antonio. Danny West joining us with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G sports.com. He does most of our recruiting stuff, the large majority of it, and most of that is VIP content. So sign up for $1 right now and you can read all of that. That's pretty much what's going on in sports. You know, we have some things to talk about here and there like documentaries. And, you know, we've had some interviews with Sam Pittman and and the coordinators and Eric Musselman. But really, recruiting is kind of what's keeping us going right now. Uh, The the Logan uh, Rogers commitment kind of came out of the blue, Danny. 
Is that is that yep. a guy? Did you see that coming? Did you see that as a guy? No. I mean, they were. No, it did not. Yeah, that was that was a surprise, I think, to a lot of us. But when you look at the video of him, I mean, he's he's very athletic. He looks like he has a good arm, a clean throwing motion. Uh, Parkview wasn't exceptionally good last season, but his numbers were pretty good, and he's still really young at just 16 years old. It kind of looks like, and I was talking with Bryles about this, and he can't comment specifically on recruits, but uh, I was talking to him about about like what they look for in quarterback recruits, you know, and it's so easy to to judge arm strength and numbers and things like that. But really what he looks at, the, the mental side of it's impossible. You, it's, it's, it's impossible to tell how a guy's going to handle college life and stuff. But um, what he looks for above anything else, above speed, arm strength, all that is production. And mm-hmm. – and if the guy's a winner, you know, and there's that's a great point because I mean, if you looked at all those things, you never would have you never would have taken Tom Brady, um, Danny Warfel never would have been you know at Florida. So there are a lot of things to take into account. It, it's it's fun to get caught up with arm strength and speed and all that stuff, but the bottom line is, you know, how the guy picks apart defenses. Yeah, and, and you know the thing when you talk about being a winner, and and they obviously struggled last year at Parkview, but you also have to consider, you know, James Joyner going down with an ACL midway through the season. That's a big that'll, loss. That'll hurt you. The top running yeah. back in the state going down. <laughs> yeah, big loss right yeah. there. And uh, obviously they still had Aaron Outley to throw to. But, yeah, that takes away a lot of your, your running game, a lot of your offense there. So mm-hmm. when I saw them at Springdale, they actually lost that game. Springdale had a pretty miraculous comeback very late in that game. Mm-hmm. It was a sloppy game, as I recall sitting there with Dudley trying to trudge through that one. It was just a really ugly game there for the longest. But you could tell immediately this kid's got big-time arm potential. Mm. And, you know, he looks like a million bucks physically. 6'4", 215. Yeah, I thought he struggled a a little bit with accuracy Mm. uh, when I saw him. But there's no doubt about that arm strength. So, with a little bit of coaching, I think think maybe you've got something here. Speaking of – you know, Outley and Joyner, Rogers. I mean, what's Parkview doing all of a sudden? Parkview's producing. Brad, Brad Bolding, right? Yeah, Brad suddenly. Bolding, I mean, you, yeah. you, know, you think about <laughs> Coach Bolding, and he's he's been really good to us. He had so many there at North Little Rock, and obviously mm-hmm. uh, things, you know, turned out the way they did. But here he comes back. He, he gets that Parkview job, and suddenly he's putting out D1 prospects again. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, surely you've got to give the kids a lot of credit. But it, it's really no coincidence to me either that he's he's got some heavily recruited kids here. He's a really good coach. Yeah. So I think uh, a lot of that is uh, part of it, just Coach Bolding being there, and I would expect them to be a lot better this year. Yeah, I think a lot of it's Bolding. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I mean, there's some no guys that around the state that just kind of just kind of get it done. That's right. What else, Danny? What else you got going on in recruiting? And if we had to predict, do you think there's any commitment coming anytime soon? You have a guy well, that you're seems, keeping an eye on. It seems like the last two, Trey, they just called the kids up, offered them, and mm-hmm. says, "Hey, we'd like for you to go ahead and commit right now." And that's and, a thing too, Danny. In-state guys. I mean, it's in-state. We had somebody right. talking the other day just about, you know, Arkansas seems like they're kind of lagging in recruiting, but you look across the SEC. There's not like anybody's just raking them in one after another. I mean, it's just yeah. just the time that we're in. Yes, there's still a lot of activity. People are cutting their list. Offers are being extended and stuff. There's an occasional commitment. But for Arkansas, they have to go a long way. And a lot of these kids 
haven't visited Arkansas that they're recruiting, whereas, you know, with other programs, they might have come and visited as a sophomore, you know. That's and right. For Arkansas, it's a totally new staff, um, you know, and a lot different. And a per- certain perception after back-to-back two-win seasons that you have to overcome, and it's important to get them on campus. And, you know, Dallas is five but hours away, whereas like Auburn, you know, they're recruiting a couple hours inside, of, you know, a two-hour <laughs> radius um, for a lot of their guys. Yeah. So it's, it, and Texas A&M, you know, is similar, but those schools aren't just raking in commitments right now. No, I mean, you look at Alabama. I mean, they're up until last week, they were, I want to say 13th in the conference in the recruiting rankings. Now you, you want to tell me they're not going to move up the charts. Mm-hmm. It's just a slow start for everybody. And I think that's got a lot to do with it. Not having those visits. And it's really no surprise to me when I really think about it, you know, Arkansas was sitting there with a very early commitment from an in-state guy, Terry Wells, and then it, it, it did feel kind of stagnant, like, oh, uh, maybe they need some momentum here. So they go out and offer a Marco Avant, Landon Rogers, and immediately get those guys to jump on board. I mean, you can call it a momentum move, uh, those decisions to offer those guys, but chances are they probably would have come around to offer in any way. I felt like both of them were probably camp guys, especially with Marco. I felt like once he came to camp and ran for them, He's a no-doubter. So, uh, you know, really no surprise that they would try to load up with early guys. And, and you know, that you could still see it. Uh, I think Aaron Outley, as we talked about, the tight end from Parkview, View, he's still got an offer. I'm sure they would love to get him in the boat, as well as Drayden Norwood down here at Fort Smith Northside, four-star corner. You know, if let's say you, you start off with five in-state commitments. Nothing wrong with that at all. And, uh, you know, hopefully – at some point, you start getting some of these out-of-state guys because, you know, as excited as fans get for the in-state commitments, they really don't get too excited until you go beat a bunch of other schools in the area for an out-of-state guy out of Texas or Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. So, Danny, you were pointing to LeBron James's stats <laughs> yeah. as reasons that he's better than Michael Jordan. And what, what capacity is that? Where's that coming well, from? Okay, let's just run through them if we're going to do this. Career okay. points, obviously, LeBron's played a couple years longer now. Field goal percentage for the career, three-point percentage. Career wins, more assists by 3,665. More rebounds mm-hmm. by 2,681. Uh, more buzzer beaters is, is a trendy topic today. It depends on who you look at how they define a buzzer beater is it within 10 seconds five seconds or like last split second i would say the game winning shot sure i would too but uh you know you think about michael jordan never he's started off one and nine in the playoffs lebron Mm -hmm. had 19 playoff wins after four four seasons in cleveland mj had the best coach of all time lebron won with tyron lou man on and on yeah, you think that Phil Jackson would have won all those championships without Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal? Oh, players have a lot to do with it. A lot. I don't think MJ you take the Jerry Krause, <laughs> the Jerry Krause yeah, idea. Um, no, no, so I, hey, let me I'm let me give you. Let me just th- let me just throw this comparison out to you. LeBron James, 2014-15 season, great season for him, right? Larry Bird, 86-87. Larry Bird averaged 28 points. Braun averaged 25. Bird, nine rebounds. LeBron, six rebounds. Bird, 7.6 assists. LeBron, 7.4 assists. Bird, 52.2%. LeBron, 48.4% field goal. So, is LeBron James 
Is Larry Bird better than LeBron James? You take their best seasons. No, Larry I, Bird's I better. My, not on my list. I think Larry Bird. I've just given you all these numbers that prove it. Lesser competition. <laughs> that's Get my, out of here. That's what I'm going with. How dare you slam 80s yeah, and 90s NBA you. basketball? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, you come just off. They hacked everybody and knocked everybody senseless. That doesn't mean it was a better game. Okay. All right. That's what I'm going with. You asked me. <laughs> you asked me in what capacity. I gave you my parameters. Yeah. So Danny's kind of a troll when it comes to this because he likes to get under my skin because it's the obvious answer is Jordan that anybody that watched both play. And I love LeBron. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's probably yeah. in the top three all time. But one, nah, he's not. One, yeah, go. it's one and then there's a gap. I'm going to go find somebody else to mess with about this, Trey. All right. Appreciate you joining <laughs> us, man. You bet. All right. See you. Later. All right, bye. That's Danny West um, with a completely inaccurate take on LeBron James and Michael Jordan, for those of us who've been around it. So now I want to get into a little bit of this uh, coordinator discussion. I feel like with the mustache, my points are a little more valid also, taken a little bit more seriously with the stash versus Danny being more clean-shaven. I mean, this is like a little bit of a Gruden look <laughs> with the stash. I mean, that's serious. All right, so where are we? So I mentioned talking about Kendall Browse's offense, like what are you going to call it and stuff. I'm going to, I want to call it productive. Uh, we did a long breakdown. This is a VIP article, so anybody – and the reason we do, you know, the VIP stuff – the way I look at it is that's stuff that we put a lot of research into. It's um, it's stuff that hasn't happened yet, projection type of stuff based on inside information, whereas our free content is generally stuff that has already happened, you know, stuff that you could possibly get elsewhere. But this was, you know, just something I put a lot of effort into, breaking down just where the different offenses were, where, you know, Kendall Browse was – Offensive coordinator at Baylor. Before that, he was passing game coordinator uh, in a couple of years when they were number one overall in total offense and scoring offense. Number one in the country in both those categories. Uh, it's not really fair to compare. In 2016, they were still really strong when everything was kind of crushing down. And then 2017, you can't compare that, what Baylor was at that point. Uh, but you look at what he did at FAU before he got there and then the years when – uh, both he and Lane Kiffin were there, and then when he left, obviously a major uptick the year that Browse was there, uh, and a bit of a drop down, not dramatic drop down after he left because Lane Kiffin obviously is a strong, highly regarded coordinator, uh, but still a lot better when when Kendall was there. And then at Houston, it's there's just no mistaking where Houston was before, where they were when he got there, and then what happened to him after he left. The one anomaly is Florida State. That's the that's the that's and and to say this, let me let me get these numbers because you know you look at what he did at Florida State and it's not that impressive. They did go to a bowl game where they didn't the year before. Um, they also fired their head coach midseason, so that's obviously going to to hurt. Well, where are the numbers on that? Because I really wanted to go over that. All right, so before he arrived at Tallahassee, Florida State had produced the number one hundred and three ranked total offense in the country and the number 113 scoring offense. That's bad. So last season, they moved up to 59th in total offense and 73rd in scoring offense. So that's not like just like 
wow, this offense is so explosive. But it's dramatically better than where it was. And you also have to take into account that he was operating this behind an offensive line that ranked 129 out of 130 schools in terms of pro football focus grades. Georgia was second. Arkansas, I believe, was 67th. Missouri, I believe, was 37-42, somewhere in that range. I can't remember exactly. I think 42. So Missouri was above average. Arkansas was average. Florida State was atrocious, and Georgia was great on the offensive line. So I think that's where kind of a lot of that comes from. Uh, If you look at – where's the next one? 15 Browse. At the FAU, at FAU, the Owls had the 72nd ranked total offense and the 80th ranked scoring offense. And then with Kiffin and Browse, they had the number nine ranked total offense in the country and number eight scoring offense. That's a dramatic increase. And then when he left, it was 14th best total offense and 45th on scoring offense. So a pretty big drop in scoring offense there. And then FAU. Before he left FAU, so before he left FAU for Houston, before he left FAU for Houston in 2018, see the Cougars had the 40th ranked total offense before he got there and the 65 ranked scoring offense, and then 2018 while he was there, number seven ranked total offense and the number five scoring offense, and after he left, those numbers dipped to the number 78 total offense and number 51 scoring offense. I mean, those numbers are undeniable. Now, for Arkansas, under Chad Morris, which he claimed was going to be one of the more explosive offenses in the entire country upon being hired the day he was announced. So, Arkansas never broke the top 100 in scoring offense or total offense. In the entire country, out of 130 schools, they were never better than 110 in either of those categories in both years. I mean, that's just dramatically poor. So, if Arkansas were to take a jump like Florida State did, eh, more, more middle of the pack in both of those, nothing explosive or that impressive, that's still a dramatic increase, increase in production over the 30% install offense. I still never forget Kendall Browse's face when I asked him if they, they're going to, this when the spring was still going to be, you know, still slated. When I said, are you going to be able to have the offense installed by the time the season starts? He was like, well, I'd hope so. He just kind of chuckled like, who's this guy? What is he talking about? And I had to clarify myself. I was like, well, the past couple of years, they've only installed 30% because that's all anybody could operate. There's a great article by Charles Power. It's a free story. And this is before Browse left, uh, left Houston for Florida State. Okay, and it's what you can Google. It's what to expect from a Kendall Browse offense. It's written by Charles Power with 24-7 Sports. It's a long breakdown just on philosophies and uh, alignments and formations. Really good if you like that kind of stuff. It's got some clips, some video clips of, you know, just some of these single choice routes. It's a really, really good article by Charles, and I refer to it a lot when I'm, when I'm, you know, breaking down some of the articles about what he is now. Uh, and this was written January seventh, two thousand nineteen, before he got to Florida State. So it's a good article. Also got a nice one uh, just on what Kendall Browse looks for at quarterbacks. We talked a little bit about that with Danny West. By the way, get your questions in. We're going to answer some questions here. Shoot the breeze. I'm sure there's a lot of last dance topics. 
As for defense, you know, there's been so much talk. In fact, our uh, a couple of weeks ago, the headline of one of these is Arkansas to switch to a three-two-six base defense. So that's what the players are telling us. I think we're going to go to that. I think that what we've learned now after talking with Barry Odom, and this was a, a lot of the questions that I had with him, um, they're going to be very multiple, and I'm not sure that they know exactly what they want to do on defense in terms of what they would call their best defense. And I think that's a, just mainly a product of not having the guys out there. I mean, you may think that, okay, we've got a lot of safeties. We need to put a lot of safeties and hybrids on the field. Uh, but if you're playing, you might say, you know what, we're better on the defensive line than I thought we were. we got more depth here. Some of these guys have really, really improved, you know. So there's all those kinds of things to, to weigh in because ultimately what you want to do is get the best 11 players out there, right, and not sacrifice something like just being, you know, atrocious <laughs> when it comes to stopping the run. And that's, that's been a big topic too. You know, there's all these things they want to get better on. But number one, before anything else, is stopping the big plays. Arkansas gave up a ton of big plays the last couple of years. But that's the number one thing. If you can start by limiting big plays uh, and make them, as Houston Nutt used to say, make them go the long, hard way. If you can make them do that, there's more chances for mistakes, and that's a good start. It's not a great start or a great finish, but it's a good start. So what we're expecting is an even front, a four-man front. And there, like I said, there was talk of the three-two-six, but uh, and they ran a, I believe it was a three-three stack at at Memphis a lot, um, and it's really with so much that you do on defense. I mean, you can easily make a three-four look like a four-three. I mean, and it does a lot of times. I mean, you can easily, you know, make a four-man front look like a you know turn it into a bare front. Just a, a, an adjustment here and there, moving a guy in and out. So many different things. And, you know, I think the base is, you know, traditionally like what we're going to, you know, this is our, you know, this is our structure and everything we do branches off from that, right? This is the structure we run against 21 personnel, which nobody hardly even runs anymore. Um, So, and it's, you know, it's good for writing a depth chart. People like me, you know, I always ask questions like that. Do you have any specific names for different positions? And, you know, yeah, they're going to call the Jack, one of the defensive ends a Jack. I guess that's the the edge guy, the speed rusher is going to be called the Jack. But I'm always, you know, I'm always interested in that. I think our readers like to know that kind of stuff. But they're going to be very multiple on defense. Hopefully, I mean, depends on what kind of practice time they get. Hog's still out there recruiting very hard. Talked with Danny about that. I just bring up like – I usually like bring up just, you know, a couple of topics here and there that I want to make sure that I, I hit on. And sometimes we get on onto it earlier than I thought. So, I'm going to run into your questions now. We've gone about 38 minutes. Usually like to go about 40-something. Got a lot of Woo Pig Suey. Woo Pig Suey from Charlottesville, Virginia, says Ryan Summers. Ryan, R-I-O-N. Not a lot of people spell it that way, but Ryan Rhodes does. Chad Everett says, Woopig Suey. Isaac Riley says, yes, wasn't sure if you were having a live show today. Thanks for the content and hard work keeping fans enticed, Woopig Suey. Appreciate you for tuning in, Isaac. Maxine Ward says, Woopig Suey from Malvern. First high school game was against Malvern at Malvern when I was in 10th grade. And they lined up Madre Hill. We'd held him pretty good the first half. <laughs> and then I think that it was the first series of the second half, and he went like 96 on us right up the gut. And it was over from there. Jack Robin says, morning from Cabot, Austin, Trey. 
please talk some of the base the baseball team. This has to be the hardest on them for the potential they had this year. So you're not you're just not going to get a lot of baseball from me. I, I spend I pour everything I've got into football, basketball as well. Um, and Pete Rulia, who we'll have on the show again uh, coming up here soon, maybe on Thursday, but we'll get him to talk some baseball. He's our primary baseball guy. James Rose says, howdy. Tony Ball says, what's up, T? Zach Freeman says, nice stash. I've never caught the show live. Glad to, glad to be here. So the stash is not something I rock normally. In fact, I've only grown a mustache like twice. I grew a search stash during the coaching search. This is the quarantine stash. Not that I'm in quarantine, but whatever you want to call it. The stash is on point, bro. Very, very magnum PI of you. Appreciate that, Jack. <laughs> Mike McLeod says that stash tray. Mike McLeod says Pinto was trolling with that post. Yeah, I, I think that kind of came about. Pinto's usually pretty on point with uh, his his stuff. Not cool though, Pinto. We had to get a story ready. Had to get a story ready in our admin for when it happened. Russell McAnally. I'm late. Hello from Judsonia. Jay Frazier says, Lorenzo Robinson says Mason is staying and has stood by the statement all weekend. No clue what inside info he would be working with. I mean, I'm not sure either. I mean, Lorenzo is a former athlete, so he, maybe he's got some kind of connection. Former Razorback safety. Good player. Mike McLeod says, if Mace came back, wouldn't we have to kick someone off or to make the numbers work? As Nolan Richardson used to say, the numbers will work themselves out some kind of way. Josh Grubb says, thanks for all the videos, Trey Biddy. This is no sports at all. It's killing me. I'm so ready for everything to be over with. Whoopisui from Branson, Missouri. I echo all of that. I mean, I was like counting down the days for the Bulls documentary. And normally, like, I would definitely watch it, but like, I watched it live, you know, and I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we've got. And I even watched Scott Van Pelt's sports center afterwards where he spent the whole time breaking down a documentary. Justin Williams says this Arkansas team will surprise some people this season, seven to eight wins. Uh, I'm on record saying they will win an SEC game. They'll win three of the four non-conference. Man, it'd be fun to go up there and just shock Notre Dame. I don't think that's happening, but, uh, I do think that they are going to win. I, I will say I do firmly believe that they will win an SEC game. And maybe more than one, but they will win one. They're not going undefeated or winless again in the SEC. Brandon Hawley says, what players is Muss and company looking at for or in 2021? I mentioned the in-state crop mostly. Probably should have asked Danny some of that, and maybe we'll get back to that if there's any other guys that are like five-star types that they're really after. McGarity, Gil McGarity says the hike and pray offense. John, Johnny Galbert says, Trey, do you think Jalen Williams is talented enough to take minutes from Chaney and or Henderson? I think it remains to be seen, to be honest with you. I do think that he'll play next year. I think that he has a higher ceiling than Chaney and Henderson. I'll say that. So how long of it does it take? Jack Robbins likes the 30 installed, 30% installed offense. Yeah, I don't know what we called it. Run-oriented, two-back two run-oriented, play-action shot offense. Going to be the one of the most explosive offense in all the country. Uh, Arkansas is going to make a national championship run next year in basketball. I think they're going to be good. Marianne on drive time blasted me. They asked, you know, if Arkansas will be a sweet 16. I don't I don't view this team as a rebuilding team. Now, they may take a minute to get in the groove, figure out who their guys are. It, they did that last year also. It took a minute, for you know, to figure out a couple of guys here and there. But 
I mean, I think Arkansas has a chance to be really good next year. Even And if they get Mason and Isaiah Jack, man. I say Mason and Isaiah Jack. Mason and Isaiah back. Man. <laughs> Wasn't it called left lane hammer down time? Yeah. I mean, he had a lot of names for it. Justin Williams says they won't even play. It's possible. I mean, the way I'm approaching it, guys, is the 2020 season's happening until I'm told it's not. So, anytime, you know, everybody's – every time I write something, everybody, somebody's like, yeah, they're not even going to play. Not that that's your voice, Justin, but <laughs> somebody says something every single time like that. So, I'm just, you know, doing what we can. I'm not a medical – I'm not a medical doctor, man. MJ, hands down, done talking. I mean, anybody who lived through that era understands how good Michael Jordan was, how dominant he was. We can talk about numbers and rings and all that stuff. It's not even close. It is Michael Jordan, and then there's this gap. Anyone else concerned that if Musk continues to bring transfers, it will scare away elite high school recruits? I mean, it didn't in this last class. I mean, he brought in three guys, and they also signed two grad transfers, and it hasn't scared anybody away. I mean, all these guys think they're going to the NBA, you know, and if you're ranked that highly, a top 100 type of recruit, you probably think that you're the best player in the country or up there. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, in this day and age in college basketball, you have to re- explore both avenues. I thought Musselman put it great that in, in, in comparison with the ND, NBA, that recruiting is draft picks and uh, grad transfers and transfers are free agents. Bob Curl stopped stop, stop listening when the dummy started the LeBron pull. <laughs> Danny's not a dummy. He's just kind of trolling. Justin Williams said, how this dude get this kind of job? <laughs> uh, Chaz Gray said, you're just wrong, man. Look at the numbers. Replying to Justin. What is Justin talking? Carson Davis says, MJ would average 45 to 50 points a game today. I agree with more threes and free throws. I agree. And no hand checking. I mean, can you imagine you can't touch him? You can't touch him? MJ would average 45 and 50 points a game in today's game with more threes and free throws in the mid-90s. Points per game were in the 90s. Now it's over 111 points a game. He would dominate. I agree. Does Danny West even know sports? (laughs) Mike Warner says, think Danny West is starting to lose some credibility. Mike Warner says no. Uh, Carson Davis says the dude retired in his prime twice, came back at 38 after a three-year hiatus and still got 23 points a game. LeBron has to take nights off for the road management. In his third. That was a great point also. You know, their players take games off. You never heard of Michael Jordan. I mean, he was playing every single game and not – there was never a point where – I think it was – was it Ahmad Rashad who said it? I can't remember who said it, but, you know, there was never – Jordan looked at it like there's somebody in the stands who'd never seen me play before. And there was never a game where like, yeah, I went and saw Michael Jordan play, scored 12 points. <laughs> no, that never happened. You were always getting 20-plus out of Jordan. I'd love to see a game-by-game look at Michael Jordan and LeBron and you take in the bad times and see who had more bad games. The dude retiring his front see – LeBron acts like he's been shot anytime he's touched. LeBron's a great player. Again, I still think LeBron is a top three all time. I just think there's this big gap between Jordan and the rest of the pack. 
if Isaiah doesn't go into the draft by tomorrow, does that mean he can't enter? Is that the deadline? I haven't even looked at it, but I know it, I, when I was saying it, I know it's coming up. Morgan Adam Harris says, quarantine stash, Barat voice, very nice. <laughs> Who are the starters on the D-line? Uh, I think the starters on the D-line will go, I think it'll end up being Coates. If it's an odd front or it's an even front, then I think you look at Dorian Gerald and Coates, and I think that you probably end up with Coates inside. It's also possible um, – so I think – John. okay, so let's start on the inside. I think Jonathan Marshall starts, and I think the other guy is a toss-up. I think it could very well be um, – I think it very well be Marcus Miller. It's possible that it could be Isaiah Nichols. I think uh, Coates could end up being in there. You know, he goes about 280 now. So I think Coates could end up maybe being inside. You also got Dorian Gerald, and I think Matteo Soli are probably your starting ends. It could end up being Dorian Gerald and Matteo Soli, uh, or Dorian Gerald and, and and Coates, and then inside Jalen Marsh, uh, Jonathan Marshall. So I think the for sure starters are going to be Dorian Gerald and Jonathan Marshall. And after that, then you you've got a mix of a group where it could be Julius Coates, Matteo Soli. Isaiah Nichols, Marcus Miller. Marcus Miller is kind of my projection guy. It's not really a good answer, Tate Riser. Larry Brown says, Woo Pig Suey. Tyler Tober says, Any hogs getting drafted this weekend? I think McTelvin will get drafted. Mel Kuyper, I think, has his number 10 defensive tackle. CJ could. Curl could. Dijon could. All four of those guys are like back in. Maybe. Maybe maybe uh, McTelvin might be the first guy off, more of a guaranteed guy, but I think everybody else is probably five to seven rounds. Nicholas Jones, when is the draft? 25th starts. Nicholas Jones says, has any of the Fab Four signed yet? They've all signed except for KK, who is signing today. Rich Stagg says, hi from Apple Valley, California. Hi, Rich. Michael Kevin Matheny the second says Morris offense left left lane sputter out. Yep, <laughs> the shoulder with the blinking lights, the emergency blinkers. Chase Ogan Jones says getting Browse and Odom to stay would be awesome. But man, I'm excited we got them. Yes, I mean you couldn't have made really when you consider the guys that are out there and available. I don't know if you could have made two better coordinator hires, at least on paper. Chase Ogan Jones says, I'm also excited about our basketball team next season. I bet they'll just get better as the season goes on. We have added depth. Chase says, also a 90s kid, and Bulls were our heroes. I mean, I remember because I lived in North Little Rock in elementary school and Sheridan after that, but I remember in North Little Rock just getting WGN out of Chicago. And, I mean, you just get basically all the Bulls games. So you were really exposed to it. That's where I became a Bulls fan. I would claim the Bulls as my team for NBA. And it's because of that, because of the Jordan era, which is you know, true of basically anybody who's a Bulls fan anyway. They don't have really much history before that. Chase Hogan Jones says how he could jump and the three-point line of dunk was so electric. So Michael Jordan has the highest recorded vertical jump in the history of the NBA, still stands. And I will also point, you know, because there is this argument that among people that the athletes are so much better now than they used to be. And it's not really true. Now, equipment and stuff like that has played a big role. When you consider there's like 
there's this great TED Talks, and I wish I could find it, but maybe if you go on YouTube and you search for um, Athletes Today versus Tomorrow, TED Talks, Jesse Owens, something like that. But when you can you compare Jesse Owens to uh, Usain Bolt, when you compare those two people and you take into the fact that you know, Jesse Owens basically had to dig holes for starting blocks and run, ran on embers versus, you know, this state-of-the-art surface that Bolt runs on and these lighter shoes, you know, versus the leather, um, which were, you know, the leather Adidas or whatever that um, Jesse Owens ran on. When you consider all of these things and you factor in, you know, just the springiness of the, the track and all that stuff, the difference is, I mean it's ridiculously small, the difference in Bolt versus Jesse Owens or Bolt versus even Carl Lewis, you know, some of these other great uh, sprinters. And in basketball, like you say, we're getting taller. Really, we're just getting more spread out. I mean, the odds of you like knowing somebody who's under 30 years old and is seven foot tall, it's like the odds of them being in the NBA is like extremely high. (laughs) So it's a great, it's a great TED Talks just on, are we really getting better? And you also look at, you know, like they looked at cycling, you know, and um, there's this huge advancement in bikes and other things, performance enhancing things um, that also, you know, just shows that, you know, the athletes aren't, you know, there's not, they're not just like these dramatically better cyclists. It's a very interesting look because the perception is that there's all this stuff going on that athletes are just somehow you know, way better than they were back in the day. And it's, and it's really just not true. And if it is true, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a pretty small gap. Any truth on the rumor of Mason Jones coming back? No, no rumor yet. Chad Young says Bulls and Cubs. It was cool with Scotty Pippen being from Hamburg, but they always said Central Arkansas. I wonder why he said that on the starting lineup and not Hamburg because I don't know this is college um, Arkansas was well represented in the documentary I, and I would say besides Chicago and North Carolina or excuse me Illinois and North Carolina Arkansas was the most represented state you had Joe Klein on there City Moncrief was on there and uh, Scotty Pippen all three interviewed Brian Wharton says love watching your shows from Hawaii and I appreciate that, Brian. And I want to remind anybody that if you want to tune into the show, then we usually run it on Mondays and Thursdays. Sometimes do an emergency podcast if there's breaking news or something like that. Uh, but usually the show you can catch on Mondays and Thursdays um, in a variety of ways. Facebook Live, YouTube. You can watch both shows there. If you haven't thrown us a thumbs up on either of those outlets, do so now. Share the content with somebody you think might like it also. And on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe and follow, or excuse me, the subscribe and notifications bell so you're notified anytime we upload new videos. On Facebook, hit the follow button. Uh, Also on Apple Podcasts, be sure to throw us a five-star review if you like the content and say something nice about it. We'd certainly appreciate that. And plenty of other outlets on podcasts, basically anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Sign up at hogsports.com for $1 your first month. I want to thank Danny West for joining us. I want to thank you guys for your questions and for tuning in. Um, Certainly wouldn't be able to do the show without you guys. And to all of our hogsports.com subscribers, really appreciate you and hope you're enjoying the content that we're delivering. Uh, during the pandemic. All right, everybody. That's the show for today. Appreciate you all joining us. Thanks to Danny West for joining us. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com. We'll catch you next time.